0: This evening's reading is from 2 Kings, chapter 6, and that's verse 8 to verse 23, and it can be found on page 373 in the Church Bibles. So that's 2 Kings, chapter 6, reading from verse 8. And it's page 373. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked, Elisha told them, "'This is not the road, and this is not the city. "'Follow me, and I will lead you "'to the man you are looking for.' "'And he led them to Samaria. "'After they entered the city, Elisha said, "'Lord, open the eyes of these men, "'so that they can see.' "'Then the Lord opened their eyes, "'and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. "'When the king of Israel saw them, "'he asked Elisha, "'Shall I kill them, my father?' "'Shall I kill them?' "'Do not kill them,' he answered. "'Would you kill those you have captured "'with your own sword or bow? "'Set food and water before them "'so that they may eat and drink "'and then go back to their master.' "'So he prepared a great feast for them, "'and after they had finished eating and drinking, "'he sent them away, and they returned to their master. "'So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory.' This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Wonderful. Well, good evening. Man, this microphone is hot. I just feel the heat, uh, and it's lovely to see you all. I, I am aware. People, I've heard someone say, I thought churches were meant to be cool, but um, clearly it's quite, quite warm today. Um, let me extend my, uh, my welcome to the CIO team. And Josh, it's wonderful to have you here. My name's Ollie Benyon, and as Stuart said, I'm the associate vicar here, and it's wonderful to see so many of you uh, here today, and uh, wonderful to see Steve Conacher, our youth pastor back again, uh, who's uh, been in Brazil and come back for a holiday. Lovely to see you. Uh, Wonderful. So we are uh, continuing our series on prayers the Lord loves to hear. And this evening we're looking at the prayer of Elisha to open my eyes to the things of the Lord. Um, do you ever um, find yourself searching frantically for something only to discover that it's like right in your face? It's just right there. This happens to me all the time, um, it's pretty much most weeks, and it's not just even small things. I, I often find myself just losing my children, screaming their names and turning around only to discover they are literally next to me. This happened this week. It's just, it blows my mind. I don't know, I think it's a medical condition I have that. Anyway, but um, uh, but today's passage is all about you know being blind to the things, not being blind to the things of the Lord. So often we are blind to these things, aren't we? We just don't we don't see what the Lord is doing in the world and in a situation. And He wants to open up our eyes, so suddenly we see. Um, I was uh, with my dad this past week, and he was telling me of a conversation that you had with a woman over the weekend, and um, he often speaks about his faith and asks people about their faith. And um, he asked her if she, you know she has a faith or comes to church, and she says no. She 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 believed the church was becoming increasingly irrelevant, and and faith was you know didn't have any impact in her life or you know just culture today. You know what what, what was the point of it all? And my dad he's quite direct. I don't know if, you, if you've met him. He's quite direct, and he told her you just, you don't know what you talking about he and um, he, I don't know if that's the way you're gonna start with your gospel kind of conversations and he just proceeded to share his faith and his idea of church and um, I think there are many many people like her outside the church or even inside the church who are blind to the things of God in our world who only see the physical things and miss the extraordinary wonder and power of God at work and looking at the Christian faith from the outside, many, and I'm sure many of you are going to experience this when you have your conversations, many will describe it as dull, legalistic, unintelligent, unappealing. And it's our role as Christians to com- tell people that actually it is completely different, you know, because uh, the Christian life is beautiful. It is majestic, it is powerful, it is full of joy, it is full of meaning, and we get to share that hope with those around us. And today's passage, it invites us to peel back the curtain and to to ask the Lord for a glimpse of his glorious splendor that is at work. So let's just have a quick recap of this uh, wonderful passage. Um. Aram is at war with Israel, but the king of Israel seems to be able to predict Aram's army's movement, which must be really annoying. Everywhere Aram's army goes, uh, Israel is one step ahead, so much so that the king of Aram is like convinced he must have some, some spies in his camp feeding information, but he hasn't got a spy. What is happening is God is speaking to the prophet Elisha and giving him like inside information, divine knowledge uh, and kind of divine visions of what is happening. And then Elisha is passing on this information to the king of Israel. So the king of Aram, he realizes that he needs to do something about this Elisha. He's heard about him. He knows what's going on. So he sends an army to find Elisha to capture him. Now at this point, you might be thinking, if Elisha was able to predict where King Aram's army was going, and where they were going to place, you, you think they might have worked out he, his plan to come and capture himself. You know, I don't quite know what was going on there, but you know, maybe he didn't fully think through his plan very well. So, so one morning, Elisha's servant, he pulls back the curtains and he discovers that the, the, the house is just completely surrounded with horses and chariots. And just as many of us would in that particular situation, we would just cry out, you know, we're doomed, sir, what shall we do? Now we might expect Elisha to come up with a plan to make an undercover kind of exit, or to hide somewhere hoping that he won't be found, or to, to hand himself over and hope that things will go smoothly. But Elijah does something much, much better. He speaks a word of God. He says to his servant, don't be afraid. And he says, and he prays, O oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Let him see. God Answers Elisha's prayer and Elisha's servant, he looks up and he sees the the hillside covered with horses and chariots of fire. God's protection that is always there, that is unseen, suddenly becomes visible and God rescues Elisha, Elisha's servant and indeed the whole Israel nation. What an extraordinary story this is. So what can we learn from this story? I just want to focus on one particular verse, and that is the prayer that Elisha has in verse 17. O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. There is a lot in the story about blindness and of sight. Elisha is able to see God and see and fend off an attack. It, then Elisha's servant, he's blinded to what is going on. He doesn't see God, and he sees maybe as many people see. And Elijah has to pray that God would, would open up his eyes so he see what's going on. And then the Arameans are blinded, you know, not physically as we might imagine. The word in Hebrew has more of a sense of the vision of being confused, because clearly they were able to follow him until they got to the Israelite camp, and then their eyes were opened again. They were, you know, became less confused. And so all this raises the question, are we blind to the things of God? Or do we see as God sees? It's a question I want to ask today. And it's the theme that actually, if you look at it, it just runs straight through the Bible. Jesus says that many won't understand his parables because they have been blinded to their truth. Jesus, as he died on the cross, remember he said, he said, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know. Another way of saying it, they do not see what they are doing. Jesus saw God's plan, but those who nailed him to the cross were blind to what God and what they were doing. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 verses 4, he says this, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. How many conversations do we have with people who just don't see the glory of Christ? But it's so important for us, you know, what do we see? Elisha's servant, he was blinded to, th- to three things, which I believe we can easily find ourselves being blinded to. The first one is God's presence, God's presence. Um, This week, we have experienced a significant amount of heat and we love to moan about the weather in in the UK, um, but I'm I'm going to resist the temptation to moan about the heat. But um, as I walked around, especially on Monday and Tuesday, it felt like, you know, the weather was close. It was tangible. It was all-encompassing. It was everywhere. And uh, it's almost like I could touch the weather. Do you understand what I'm feeling? Yeah, okay. And, you know, I know the weather is always there, okay? I'm not foolish. I know it's always there. But on this occasion, I could just sense its presence there. It was just on my face. And this rare occasion in the UK reminded me how often I walk around, and I just forget that God's presence is close. Uh, And I'm ordained. I work in the church. But I can often forget I can get lost in the day's problems and become blind to the very true reality that the Lord is here. Jesus tells us this, he says, where two or three are gathered, we are that here, that there I am amongst them. That's a promise from the Lord. The Lord is here. And when we gather together, we can encounter God's presence in our lives in a much clearer way. Um, I don't know if you saw, uh, uh, in the last few weeks, the first images from the James Webb uh, Telescope. We've got a picture I'm going to put on the screen, um, which, uh, which will allow scientists to look at stars that were there 13 and a half billion years ago. That just kind of blows my mind. And, um, and it was the deepest the most detailed view of the universe to date and contained within it billions of stars, billions of light years away from us. Uh, this is beyond my comprehension, but it's extraordinary. And they had these two images on, in the paper. The first one is of the new telescope at the top, and then the other one, the bl- lower one, is of the older Hubble telescope. And um, it was almost like, this, the top one, if you can see it, it's a little bit harder on the, on the screen, but it, it's just sharper focus, and it revealed things that hadn't been seen before, and things almost that we were we were blinded to before and i just want to as i like just thinking about this in a similar way many people we, we we believe god is there we know he's there but he's blurry he's obscured by everything around them the, 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 all the other things that grab our attention but when we focus the lens when we begin to see god more clearly you can take that down now one way we can get a better focus on the presence of the Lord is by meeting together on a Sunday. This is what we're doing right now. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen to me every single week, but I, time and time again, when we are worshiping the Lord, when we're praying, when we're spending time together, I can, um, I can really get a tangible uh, feeling of just being in the presence of the Lord. It is, it, it is wonderful. It is a joyful thing. And that happens when we gather together. Another way we, is through just our own personal times of prayer and devotion. Sometimes this stuff isn't rocket science. This is just this is Christian discipleship. This is what we do. You know, it's when we spend time, suddenly the lens is brought into focus through times of silence. When the peace of God descends on us, and maybe from re- reading a particular verse or just studying something in the, in the, in the Bible, uh, and it just draws us closer to the Lord and it can so be easy to skip our devotional times Uh, it's so easy to do it you know i can find it myself it's so easy to do it but when we do the, the cost is that we will often miss encountering the presence of the lord it's so valuable Another maybe example is kind of going to what some people call uh, maybe a thin place. This could be a place of great beauty or wonder where the distance between heaven and earth just almost feels just paper thin. Um, maybe some kind of really strong examples in the Bible of this, uh, maybe Exodus where, where God's presence went before the Israelites with, with a cloud at night and a pillar of, uh, sorry, a cloud in a day and a pillar of fire at night. And it was you know, God traveling with the Israelites and then and, and they saw it. Or Moses on Mount Sinai or, or Saul on the road to Damascus as he met the risen Lord Jesus. And I remember very distinctly going to Uganda and praying on uh, Prayer Mountain, which is, you know, people often go there and pray. And I remember distinctly, aged 18, just having a real encounter with the presence of the Lord on that mountain. You know, it's in these places and, and others we see in a much clearer way than normal uh, when, we, when, we, when we kind of uh, refocus on, on the Lord. And that's the important thing, is that we need to sharpen our focus on the Lord. Not just on special one-off moments, but just in the every day. And just think how that will change us when, when that happens. Would we be quite so quick to indulge in our sins if we knew the Lord was by our side? His presence was with us. And this is the reason the book of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. It's because when we fix our eyes on him and all that he's done for us, it's so much harder for us to get caught up in the different sins that are so easy to entangle us. You know, we start to see the the bigger picture. Seeing God's presence, it also gives us a boldness to move forwards into God's plan for our lives. Uh, we see, again, examples of this throughout Scripture. You know, Moses, he had a, had a stammer and was terrified of going to speak before Pharaoh. But he moved ahead and led the Israelites into freedom because he, he saw God in the burning bush on Mount Sinai, in the pillar of fire and the cloud and that great cloud. Why did David, that small boy at that point, you know, battle this giant Goliath? Because he knew and saw the living God with him. Why did Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me? Because Isaiah saw God in the temple and continued to see him with him. And the list goes on. There's so many examples of that. Seeing God, seeing his presence allows us to move forward into God's plans and purposes with just great boldness. And courage because we know that we are not alone in this situation you know the Lord is providing uh, our own you know, providing strength in that situation secondly the second thing I want to say that we can be blind to is we can have our eyes opened to God's protection um, there's a, a, a minnow like fish Uh, called Four Eyes. I have a picture of it which is a bit of a harsh name, I feel. Um, It's not that one. Uh, Which lives in Central and South America and um, what's unusual about this fish is it's got these particularly bulging um, eyes and um, as you can see, it's eyes are on its head, on top of its head And, um, and it's skimming on top of the water and some of the eyes are above the water and some of the eyes are below. And the top half, what's remarkable, the top half of its Eyes are are kind of like normal eyes, as you know we have, and uh, and and the bottom are kind of like water eyes, so they can look down in the river. And these eyes are like a set of bifocals, and they mean that the fish is protected from from the predators above, but also can see, I guess, predators below and also that the the food below. I think that is quite extraordinary, and it's the kind of discerning vision we should have as christians we need to have our eyes fixed both on the world around us but also on god we may see all sorts of problems you know beneath the surface all the things i need but we can look up and see the one who protects us above the surface and god he does protect us in psalm 34 verse 7 it says this The angel Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. And that is what Elisha's servant saw that day. The angel the, the army surrounding them. I read um, recently of a, a missionary experience that happened many years ago in uh, Borneo, where a pioneer missionary worker uh, was working this remote area that had been particularly troubled by bandits. And his work uh, came with some some kind of blessing, and uh, uh, and just kind of that kind of angered the the, the kind of bandit chief who who uh, who had kept people in subjugation and was threatened to kill the missionary. He just wanted to wanna to kill him so one night the missionary he was far from home and um, he wasn't able to get back and he had to to sleep out in the open and he just felt that he needed to just pray for for the Lord's protection and um, he commended himself to the Lord and he slept unharmed and sometime later the bandit chief uh, 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 who he met with him and he said that on the evening in question they had followed him and he they'd been afraid because he was guarded by 15 soldiers. And the missionary, he, he was puzzled because, you know, clearly he was, he was on his own, he thought. And he was due to return home on furlough. And he, he told this story at one of his, his meetings. And at the end of the meeting, a man came up to him and he asked him, you know, what particular time this had happened. And it, it emerged that the man, uh, that, that at that particular time, there were 15 people been praying for the missionary because they had sensed danger. Just think you know, that was so so encouraging. That's the kind of unseen thing of the Lord. I, I, for me personally, I, I remember when I was about 21 years old, uh, I was driving home with some friends. It was late at night, and as we just set off, I just sensed that I needed to pray for the Lord's protection for that journey, and so I did. And so we set off, and we carried on. And the journey was on this kind of windy A road, and um, and uh, it had you know just one lane on each side, and, and and a small verge and a, and a kind of a ditch on the other side and I was driving around 50 miles an hour and I remember driving around this corner and suddenly seeing in front of me two large you know it's like large like Tesco's kind of big trucks and one was overtaking the other and um, there was no time for anyone to stop or slow down. All I could do was uh, steer the car and uh, aim for the verge. And uh, incredibly, we passed the trucks without ever slowing down, without even hitting rough terrain. And we managed to get you know, the other side and just drove home safely. And obviously, everyone in the car, we, we were completely stunned. We, we stopped speaking, and we just like, got home. And I remember telling my my parents the next day, and they were just telling them what happened. And they just broke down in tears because they just knew, man, you you should have probably died last night. And to this day, I see that moment just as a miracle. You know, we had been protected as there was no way uh, we could have avoided that crash. Something intervened in that moment. Now, I've gone going loads of those kind of stories, but we also know there's plenty of stories when it seems God doesn't intervene in a situation. What, what is that all about? Well, we do see in the, in the life of Jesus, this unseen protection is not always present. No, sorry, it's always present, even if it's not always activated. You know, Jesus rebuked Peter. In the garden of Gethsemane with do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels in Matthew 26 imagine that there were 72,000 mighty spirits chomping at the bit ready to intervene at Jesus's defense but the legions were idle because at that moment the cross was the will of God in that situation But in Gethsemane, it was as if Jesus turned quietly to Peter and said, Peter, I don't lack resources. Which means that Jesus knew and lived under this unseen protection of 2 Kings 6 verses 8 that we're looking at today. He was aware of what the Lord's army was there, but he didn't always call on it. So what happens if God doesn't show you the horses and the chariots of fire in a situation? Then you must go on leaning on the fact of verse 16 if the sight of verse 17 is denied of you. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. We get to hold on to those promises no matter what we see. And thirdly, what I say is we need to have our eyes opened to God's provision. In this passage, we see that God's provision is through the deliverance from their enemy. god regularly provides uh in this way it's another truth that we see you know like a thread or like a a rope all the way through scripture we see god delivering the hebrews from the slavery in egypt from david from goliath uh, daniel from the lion's den peter and john from prison and paul from an, an angry mob just to name a few for us today god has given us the ultimate ultimate deliverance in jesus rescuing us from our sin from evil from darkness and death and setting our lives in a new direction and he will provide for us every single day when we call out to him this past um week i got the the great privilege of watching my eldest daughter perform uh, in uh, Les uh, Miserables uh, at Chesterton School, and it was magnificent, she played a little cosette, I watched, I cried my way through, uh, I was a very, very proud father, and um, uh, there is a scene very early on in the play, if you remember, where the lead character Jean Valjean has been released from prison after 18 years for a minor crime. But he finds uh, nothing in store for him apart from mistrust and mistreatment, and it looks like his trajectory of his life is going to be bad. And he's angry, and he's alone, and he finds shelter in a church where he's shown love and kindness by a bishop. And despite all that, he, he wakes up the next morning, and he steals the church's silver, and he, and, but he's, he runs off, but he's quickly caught by the police, and he's dragged back to the bishop, expecting the bishop to, to confirm the crime, and Jean Van Jean to be thrown back in prison, and that ought to be basically the end of his life. But the whole story hinges on this, this one moment, right at the beginning of the play As the bishop chooses he, not to condemn the man, but shows love and mercy, and he tells the police there is no crime here. For the silver was a gift, and that Jean Valjean left so early that he even forgot to take the best stuff, and he handed him two, you know, expensive silver candlestick holders. And then he says to Jean Van Jean, he says this to him. I'm not going to sing it, but this is what he says. But remember this, my brother. See in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. By the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood. God has raised you out of darkness. I have saved your soul for God. Jean Valjean had been delivered from the past, and he'd been given a second chance of life, a new vision for the future. And as Christians, we get to be like the bishop and speak truth to people when there are so many lies going on about people and to raise their gaze out of darkness and to help them to see the Lord, the provision that the Lord has for them. And people are so often afraid. There's so much fear going on. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to keep people in fear. He wants them to be held captive to it, thinking that we're alone, thinking that there's no one out there watching out for us. This is all we've got. But the truth is that we don't need to be blind and afraid. We can open our eyes and we can see God, see his presence we can see his protection, and we can see his provision. I wanna finish by just reading a, a, a prayer, poem, psalm type from a New Zealand author, uh, Joy Cowley, that I just read uh, this week that it just really struck me. And it's called Sacred Ground. It's gonna come on the screen so you can follow along. We are standing on sacred ground let our hearts take off their shoes and come bare trembling with awe into the presence presence which burns too bright and too close for ordinary vision only a naked heart can see that all around us each clump of grass every leaf twig stone and flower, is a blazing torch, incandescent with the one fire which has no name except I am, and only a naked heart can know that it too is a burning bush, all of us caught into the one fire, we are burning into I am, brighter than a galaxy of suns. Words cannot contain the moment, but let's take with us the feeling of awe and wonder. Tomorrow's path might be dark, difficult, and sharp with stones, but in the sacred place we feel we may never wear shoes again. So my prayer for us this evening, the prayer that comes out of Elisha's mouth is, oh Lord, open my eyes and let me see. And we wanna pray for others as well. Maybe as you, your mission team go out to pray that others that we meet, their eyes would be opened and they would see that there is comfort, courage, and hope for whatever life may throw uh, in our direction. So let me just pray for us uh, as we finish. Lord God, we thank you for this amazing passage. We thank you, Lord, that uh, that you are, you are here. That your presence is with us. That your protection is available for us. And that you provide for every one of our needs. And we thank you that you did that mostly through the cross. And Lord, help us, for those of us who may be blind to what is going on, and maybe we are just longing to be encouraged by getting a glimpse of uh, your kingdom, what is going on in a certain situation. Help us to see. Help us to get a glimpse of your glorious splendor at work in our world today. Amen.